This is Daniel Hagenham for Preparing Kids for Life at PK4L.com, and our podcast is for all things parenting. This is day 86 of our 365-day journey with you. You know, my wife and I, we are so passionate about helping parents reclaim their rightful place as the number one expert on their own kids. So our podcast focuses on time-tested principles any parent can learn and apply to build an emotionally safe home and help their children thrive. So we talk about every parent's most basic fears because these have been our fears too. Things like, I don't have what it takes to be a good parent, or I'm not qualified, or I'm going to mess my kids up. You know, as parents, we will do anything to help our kids. And since our ceiling is our children's floor, we owe it to them to always be learning and growing. For 365 days, you've been invited into our experiment, and we're committed to walking alongside your journey as your personal outfitters, guides, and allies every day, every step of the way. So we've been digging into Anthony Esselin's brilliant book, 10 Ways to Destroy the Imagination of Your Child. And of course, uh, this is completely tongue-in-cheek. Um, he's, he's simply pointing out that if the system set about trying to destroy the imagination of your child, this is how it would do it. And the really tragic part of it and the, the part of it that's so stunning is this is exactly what's happening. And so it's no wonder. It's no wonder. I've, I've referenced Dr. George Land's work a number of times over the course of several podcasts, because I think it's so key, but he, he talks about literally how the educational system destroys creativity in children. And this isn't hyperbole. This isn't him just sort of, he did a number of tests. It's been replicated hundreds of times demonstrating that when you're, when you're testing a group of five-year-olds, about 98% of them demonstrate uh, some form of creative genius. By the time that same cohort reaches the age of 25 or older, only 2%. So clearly the school system is literally draining the creativity out of the kids. And so we've been kind of talking a little bit more uh, introductory work. You know, we, we dug in a little bit uh, yesterday um, just into um, how um, facts are kind of kill creativity, but we're going to actually get into uh, the method. So in other words, this is this is what, uh, according to Aislinn, this is what he's saying. Look, if you want to destroy the imagination of your child, this is how you do it, right? <clears throat> and I think that, so method one is called keep your children indoors as much as possible. And of course, you've probably already noticed that children are getting outdoors less and less. And probably the most obvious example is the rampant uh, instances of childhood obesity that are going across the country. And that's probably the clearest example of, of that. But not, not just that. You know, I remember when I was working at, at Brain Balance as a program director, and we work exclusively with kids that have developmental delays, uh, what people would label special needs. And the interesting thing is that in, in working with them, it's really not even about, um, it's just really figuring out what is going to help that individual child. 
And and so I think part of the part of the problem in in helping them though is that kids aren't getting outside and running around enough. One of the principal uh, notions is that motor activity drives development. So part of a child's emotional and mental development has to do with the amount of physical activity they're engaged in. Okay. So one of the things that Eastland uh, talks about, and this is, this is the quote he leaves at the beginning of the book. He says, one of the disadvantages of our civilization is that too often stress of circumstances places square pegs in round holes in the artificial economy of our lives. A man of splendid frame who should be exploring the wilds must instead sit at a desk. A brain teeming with fine imagination is deadened by routine work in a factory. Nature never practices such misfit policies. It's a very profound statement. What makes it a little bit more shocking is that it comes from the Book of Knowledge, which was published in 1923. 1923, almost 100 years ago. And so one of the, one of the things that, that happens too is that when you're outside, I remember growing up, you probably do too, uh, you, you play in your environment and you use your imagination to make the most of your environment. For example, a little mound of dirt becomes a castle, uh, a little uh, place maybe near the, the, on the hillside somewhere that you're hiking be, becomes a cave as you, as you scoop out dirt to try to get it. It's just, it's one of those things you, you get in, you know, mud ball fights, you, you create ways to, to take out your enemy, so to speak. You know, it's just, I mean, they're fun, but they're also creative. They're also creative. You, I remember we would, we would come up with our own games just because, well, maybe nobody had a baseball and bat, so you couldn't play baseball, or maybe nobody had a basketball, so you can do that. But, you know, you could figure out something else. And so we created all kinds of elaborate games of tag and this and that. I mean, it was just a, it was a way for our minds to grow and expand. And, and one of the things that actually just destroys the imagination of a child is keeping them inside, is keeping them inside. And so part of what's happened is that we still yearn for the outside. Have you ever wondered maybe why video games that are kind of these fully immersive experiences where you can literally go and it's it's like an entire world that you can explore, it's kind of like an open terrain that you're just wandering in? Well, people used to do that, except it was in actual rock and dirt and scrubs and trees and everything else that was around them. Now, they've, they've sort of replaced this great planet around us with an artificial world. And it's just, it's not healthy and it's not helping our kids. You know, it's funny, parents... Um, they understand the value and the importance of their kids playing outside. You know who doesn't? It's the educators. See, the most enlightened educators, they, they grasp, of course, that you know, it's really important not to let children play outside too much. And if they do play outside, is to very carefully monitor all of that. Because God forbid that you know, they should be left to their own devices. And, and so they've, they've shortened summer vacations. 
They've parceled out free days here and there throughout the school year. The effect is to keep children from developing the habit of learning things outside of school. You know, it's interesting. I just had a conversation with a former student of mine, and we were just going back and forth about something, and she said, you know, I've learned so much more since I left the school system, and I'm learning things for myself because I want to than I ever did while I was inside that system. And I'm like, you know what? You're exactly right. You're exactly right. It's an amazing thing. But one of the things is that it's interesting. School, it's almost like they want school to be as long as possible, right? Um, It's interesting. Sadly, I think what's happened in our modern times is a lot of parents, they like the idea of children, but they don't really want to be encumbered by them. Like, I want to I want to be able to do everything I could do when I was single but still be married or I want to be able to do everything I was able to do when we were newly married now that we have kids and it just doesn't work that way and honestly we're not really happy in that because it's funny um selfishness selfishness never satisfies self-care does Self-care is what enables us to continue to give to the relationships that matter most to us. Selfishness is exactly what stops us from giving to those relationships. And so that's why selfishness just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Not over the short term, not over the long term, because it brings with it no true satisfaction. It brings with it no true meaning. But one of the things is that If you can stop kids from learning outside of school, learning something from parents, learning something from other people. By the way, have you ever thought about why kids have so much homework? I mean, hours upon hours upon hours of homework. Because it's a form of surveillance by the school system. God forbid kids have enough free time to learn something on their own or learn something from their parents or learn something from their friends or just go research something uh, and, and learn from someone else. I mean, there's no shortage of things you can learn on YouTube these days, right? So, but if you have homework, well, you don't have enough time to devote to that. And most of homework is busy work. That's one of the reasons why students hate it. You know, I, I remember when I was, when I was teaching, um, I, I made a point of saying, look, guys, there is some work that is mandated by the state and we have to do it. I will tell you, I'm not going to try to pretend like it's meaningful. I'm not going to pretend it's valuable. I'm not going to pretend that it's going to help you. The only thing it really is, it's a hope we have to jump through in order to satisfy the requirements of the state. But as soon as we finish that, then we can get into the real stuff. Then we can get into the learning stuff. And so I really focused all that I did with my students on learning, not on trying to cover X number of chapters by a certain date. And even that, you know, you're, you're kind of limited. The, the system has a way of nudging you along whether you want it to or not. But at least I was able to resist it as much as possible. But students, you know, they're not lazy. But you know what they don't like doing? They don't like having their time wasted and they don't like doing busy work any more than you like having your time wasted or you like doing busy work, right? I mean, it's, it's so funny that we just think kids should just somehow eat this stuff up like it's candy. But here's the thing. 
most of most of the homework it's just sort of graded and logged and and then done it's not really serving a larger purpose of helping students gain a skill or gaining insight or expanding their minds in some way right you know let's just say you're outside and you, you look up at the sky. I mean, the sheer vastness of the sky pushes the mind to contemplate infinities. You can't escape it. You just start looking into the expanse of it and wondering what's beyond the clouds, what's beyond the sun, what's beyond at nighttime, the, the stars you can see. I mean, it just naturally invites you to wonder. It naturally inspires your imagination. You know, the, there's something about the sky that suggests how vast creation is and how, how small our ambition. We, we sort of put ourselves in perspective there and go, you know, how much of what I'm doing on this planet is really, really worthwhile? You know, I love there's a, a quote that I came across and it was, what is the most important thing you could be doing with your life right now? And if you're not doing it, why not? See, we have a design laid on our life. We, we have something to do with our lives that's meaningful, that's valuable. And by the way, that speaks to our, one of our deepest, most profound needs is to have our life have meaning and purpose. And just some of these things kind of help us find our place in that. And it's it's a pretty it's it's a pretty incredible thing when you think about it the opportunity that it gives us but you know as we're going through this this process of just getting outside right um, if a child has been so berated and distracted all of his or her life they won't be able to do just the brave Nothing of sitting down, looking, looking up at the sky and contemplating infinity. You know, a lot of, a lot of it is, is like we're, we're, we're so quote unquote productive that we, we forget, you know, a lot of, we need space to think. And if you don't think that's an easy thing, try completely unplugging from all your electronics for an hour. And go outside in a chair with nothing, not a book, with nothing, not a newspaper, not a magazine, nothing. No phone, no connection, nothing. Go off grid for an hour and just sit there and watch how quickly you want to pull for some type of outside distraction. We have been trained to become so uncomfortable in our own minds that it's one of the most unimaginable burdens ever is to, to contemplate the idea of being without distraction. And so the thing is, is that we, we have to, you know, one of the things he talks about in destroying the imagination of a child is you have to raise students that, that sort of, they don't care what a star is. They don't care what it's made of because the only stars to really gaze at are the kinds that flame out after a moment or two, the stars of mass entertainment. Those are the stars. And then click goes the remote control. You know, it's, it's a wonder that we're, we're able to kind of see past that. But 
into the mind. Uh, well, let me put it this way: a mind that's that's become influenced by nature. Um, even the most ordinary things are sort of they they take on a peculiar way of being. They're mysterious. You know, I remember one time being in Yosemite and just looking at the way the water ran over the rocks and noticing how the rocks, and because the rocks were placed a certain way, created currents, created a force, created foam, created... And I know this is a simple thing, but I was I was just amazed because I, I kind of caught myself and realized, I've been staring at this thing for like 10 minutes. Now, in the grand scheme of things, is this really some life-altering moment? No. But the point is, is that it really made me realize, wow, you know, even when we let our imaginations and our minds go, even some of the smallest, most seemingly insignificant things can actually take on a great deal of beauty. And, and you know, I don't know, I think it was Einstein. He said, you know, there's two ways to approach life. One is though nothing is a miracle and the other is though everything is a miracle. I mean, which way would you rather live? I mean, I know how I'd rather live with the miracles. I, I'd rather live in that. And this is part of what imagination, um, what an imagination does. Um, it's interesting. One of, the, one of the things that Eastland points out about being outside and, and why it's so quote unquote dangerous, right? Dangerous meaning, you know, because it's going to destroy the imagination of your child if they get hold of it. But he, he says, um, the outside is dangerous because you might meet a creature more threatening to your complacency than any wolf or bear or panther. You may meet yourself. And you know, that is, that is one of the most important things. I, like I was talking to a moment ago about just being outside for an hour and unplugging what that's like and what, what that experience would be and how we shrink from it. I mean, I remember my students, and this is a few years ago, I've been out of teaching. I mean, it's only gotten worse. But I remember my students, it was just like, oh my gosh, the idea of them having to unplug from their phones. And yet it's funny, I remember having conversations with various students over the years that, you know, maybe they went on a family vacation and it was in the woods and they there was no uh, Wi-Fi or anything. And they go, oh my gosh, and the first couple of days were like, then afterwards I'm like, wow, I, I'm really enjoying this. You know, we we weren't made for natural connection with technology. We can use technology like a tool, but we weren't made for a natural connection with it. We were, however, made for a natural connection with nature and all that's in it. And the more we connect to the outside, the more we are avoiding <laughs> destroying the imagination of our child. And again, that's obviously the larger point that Eastlin is making in a, in a reverse sort of way is that we want to actually improve the imagination of our children, right? And he's just sort of going about showing, hey, if this destroys the imagination of a child, then maybe don't do it. Maybe don't do that, right? And I just kind of, I appreciate his, his work. But that was, that was method number one. Keep your children indoors as much as possible. Well, thank you so much for listening. There are literally hundreds and thousands of podcasts out there. You chose to listen to ours. We're so grateful for your time. Definitely check out our website, pk4l.com, for more resources. And please click on the link in the show description and download your free ebook, Building an Emotionally Safe Home, as our gift to you. Remember, we are with you 
every day, every step of the way. Until tomorrow, have a great day.